Yeah, um, I'll like be talking to my cat at night being like, am I real? Are you real, Pepper? <laughs> yeah, like, Is this food I'm giving you right now real? And then Pepper looks at me and he goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> Cat. And I'm Gabe. And, and we're, we're the ghouls, the next, ghouls door. next door. Talking about spooky stuff. As we do. And fun stuff. This month is super fun uh, and also traumatizing and sad. <laughs> like, we were like, let's do, let's do anime. It'll be fun. It'll be a break from doing our For the Culture series where we were just so emotional about how awful humans are. Let's escape into you know the animated worlds. And then we were like, Oh, this is also awful. <laughs> this is also painful inside. <laughs> awful but good. It's, I yes. mean, that's what horror is, ultimately, is mm-hmm. that it's real sad, but also fun. Yeah, Because we like to be scared in safe spaces, especially animated. I mean, I still have so much empathy for animated characters, but it takes us another step back from reality when you're like, oh, this is like virtual. Or, like, uh, animated people, where it's like, okay, this isn't, like, a human that I'm looking at exactly. Uh, But it's Mm -hmm. it's been cool. It's been cool. Yeah. And, you know, we are, you know, trying to get joined by friends to talk about specific things because, you know, we have some experts that we appreciate who come in to talk about what they're passionate about. And today we're going to be talking about Perfect Blue, which is arguably, like, one of the only, like, horror anime like films especially of that time like to be you know argued as blatant horror honestly (laughs) because it's pretty horrific um and we were like well we have to get like an anime expert in here so we have uh invited dory hi (laughs) hello thank you so much for having me i am super excited to be talking about this movie (laughs) yes we're super excited to have you um for our listeners who might not know one you guys are missing out if you don't uh (laughs) could you tell us a bit about yourself uh, hi, uh, my name is Dory, or I like to be called Lovely Dory on the internet. Um, I am an anime girl host on the YouTube channel Beyond the Bot. We used to be a channel called Getting the Robot. We were with Frederator, but unfortunately that had to end this year due to uh, a few different reasons. But then we just decided to go completely independent because we decided we weren't done talking about anime and culture yet. So we're very excited. We're still growing our channel. Um, we have a Patreon and a podcast podcast, some social content, and um, our content really focuses on like anime and culture and sort of just being this accepting safe space where everybody, no matter where you came from, can just enjoy how wonderful anime is with us. 
Yeah, I think one of the things I really enjoy about the bot channels, um, especially like given like our show, like we very much talk about like horror and, you know, we appreciate it, but we're talking about like the culture around it and the influences. And that's what you all do. Like you really dive in. It's not just like, oh, we love anime and we're just going to geek out about it. It's like, no, you're actually going to learn something like you all put so much work into it. And I'm always like, I had no idea. (laughs) Like That's so cool that, you know, uh, or like learning about uh, anime that, you know, I hadn't even thought of or, or like was told about and then being like I gotta go check that out now (laughs) oh that makes me so happy (laughs) it always makes me happy when people tell us that like they love the channel and that we're doing so much for the community like because every every host and even all the people on our crew too we all come from very diverse backgrounds and that's not really like what you traditionally see in most like anime channels or uh, places that cover anime so we want to show like hey you know you're we're just like you we we love anime just just like everybody else. <laughs> so yeah. you deserve a voice here in this community too, no matter where you came from. So yeah, sure. I'm, I'm really happy that that's like resonating with people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely appreciate it. Um, you know, it's nice to kind of see like yourself reflected too. Like, you know, there are times where I'm just like, that's a thought I have. It's like, <laughs> so nice that someone else also says it (laughs) it's like I feel seen (laughs) oh yay (laughs) yeah it's there's nothing better than like especially when girls like come up to me or Crystal and be like wow it's so amazing seeing like women covering anime and having different opinions on it both controversial kind uh, you name it (laughs) yeah sorry if I I sound nervous by the way I'm always usually pretty nervous in the beginning of recordings but (laughs) no it's okay yes (laughs) feel free I know it's like it's whenever we do like live shows or even just like having you know guests like you where we're just like oh like how do we separate fangirl from professional (laughs) (laughs) at the end of the day I'm just a big geek and I just want to fangirl over anime and horror and all things messed up and gory and wonderful Yay. <laughs> You're in the right place. We asked the right person. <laughs> <laughs> Happy to be an honorary ghoul. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. We um yeah, we wanted to, to talk to you about like what it is that you love about anime. You also had like your, you know, Dory's Campfire stories that we appreciated, and you definitely are a, a, a fan of horror and anime and then horror anime. So just kind of like tell us a bit about what attracts you to anime and what are your favorite kinds. Oh, man. Um, What attracts me to anime is just really the sheer number of weird and bizarre stories that they tell that you just don't see anywhere else. Like when I discovered my my favorite anime is one called Puela Magi Madoka Magica. Um, Mm -hmm. I I just talked about it on uh, on our channel, actually. And I just loved it because like when I first discovered it as at maybe like 14 or 15, I was just like, I've never seen anything like this before. This is so unique. It tells these fresh stories about people that, I'm trying to think of like the right words for it, <laughs> but it just, it, it gives you so many unique perspectives um, and it's not afraid to like go certain areas that like, I guess more Western media is kind of afraid to reach, Okay. Mm-hmm. sort of. Like, um, it's like using Madoka as an example again, even though all the main characters are these very young girls, it's still not afraid to kind of put them through the, ri- the ringer and talk about their trauma in a very honest way. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really glorify it or sugarcoat it. And I don't know, that just, that just really speaks to me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something really to cool. definitely appreciate. 
Yeah. Um, especially like censoring, or especially with women in any type of media, like it's it's rare that we're ever allowed to just like feel mm-hmm. and like be allowed to be sad or upset. It's like you got to get people. Yeah, yes. Yeah, be full humans. That's what I love about it. And also, um, you can find an anime for just about any mood or feeling. Like, if you just want to watch something sweet and lighthearted, you could watch something like Yuru Camp. Or if you want to watch something that's a little deeper, you could watch Cowboy Bebop or Madoka. <laughs> and it, it's there's there's an anime for every age range, for every type of person. And that's just why I love it so much. I've yeah, it's just always spoke to me. And the art style just speaks to me, of course, as, as you can clearly see makeup, hair, everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love the aesthetic, too. So it's it's okay to like pretty things as well. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely fun. <laughs> yeah. And as for horror, I guess, um, it, with anime and horror, it's kind of complicated because there are anime horror out there, but they are a bit difficult to find. Because, like, when, you, when you're looking at, like, a cute anime girl whose eyes take up half of her face, it's hard to be like, yes, this is going to scare me. Um, but then when you look at something like Perfect Blue um, that's just done so well and it shows that, like, even though this is anime, these people still look like real humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's that aspect and, of course, also just the really psychological aspects of Perfect Blue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's hard to find anime and horror, but they're out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize it, if it sounds like I'm rambling. No, <laughs> no, no, no. You're great. <laughs> That's why we're asking you these questions. We want to hear. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, uh, you pitched uh, Perfect Blue, which is funny because, yes. like, on so we like schedule out pretty far in advance, and I had just like, I was like, whatever like uh section it's going to be in like because before we decided to settle on having anime be one of our series for the whole month we had one where we were going to talk about like how women are portrayed in in horror and kind of mm-hmm. talking about like kind of a fighting back on that representation and so it was like just hovering in our little list and I was just like Dory perfect blue gonna unpack and then we just kind of threw it out at you and you said perfect blue I was like oh my god it's like she's in my head that Uh, is the (laughs) first thing that will always come to mind when somebody says the words anime and horror together I'm like perfect blue please let's talk about it yes Yes. So, so I can why? attest that that did happen. <laughs> that, that makes, I was like, just, don't pitch it. Just like let her choose. And then it was like, this is just meant to be. Um, but why did like, why did, is that something that comes into your mind initially and why you're so pumped to talk about it? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Um, <laughs> well, Perfect Blue <laughs> is a movie that speaks upon all of my deepest personal fears um, as a woman, as a content creator, and just as a person, like I'm terrified of being stalked. I'm terrified of being betrayed by somebody that's close to me. And I'm terrified of losing my goddamn mind. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like it, like every day sometimes I feel like I'm losing my mind a little. And also, now more than ever, this movie terrifies yeah. me. Not mm-hmm. just because of its critique on idol culture, but because of with the invention of like social media and the internet celebrity. Now everybody has the potential to be in Mima's place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, that that scares me just as somebody now who um, I consider myself a pretty private person. So I, I, I like back when I used to stream a lot, I would tell people watching like, oh, when you meet me, I'm actually pretty different than how I present myself on on bot and, and robot. Um, like I may seem very bubbly and like 
out there on the channel, but I'm actually pretty shy. And yeah. the idea of like somebody knowing that much detail about my life, like with Mima, mm. that just shakes me to my core. And this was yeah. the third time I've seen this movie. And it scared me now more than it ever has any other time I've seen it. Yeah, definitely. When we were like, you know, talking and kind of developing our, our script to pick out the points that we wanted to dive in, we found a lot of similarities um, with some of the content that we've covered before, specifically about social media. Like we talked about the horrors of social media and reality TV, where we were like, yeah. there's there's just kind of blend and confusion between like your virtual self and the the person that you're putting out on the internet and that you're trying to convince people you are versus like who you really are and like like the safety and and being who you are and you know alone. exactly right? yeah I guess it's like an example of that like I also this is not horror but I love the show RuPaul's Drag Race and it always breaks my heart when I see a queen getting so much hate online because they said one comment that was a little bit like, that's a little like uh, rude. Yeah, or they say something yeah. on the show that's a little rude, a little shady. Like they don't deserve to get death threats. No. Yeah. And to, to fear for your life every day just because you said something on a reality television show, like it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like we see in the film that there's this, further step into the invasion of privacy with social media and the internet. So like, I totally get what you're saying where like, it's scarier now than it might've been if you watched it a few years ago, because one, we're all inside. Yeah. Um, we're all always trapped. kind of online. <laughs> no one's mental state is like, okay. So people who would otherwise kind of be chilling are facing overwhelming amounts of stress and might be more inclined to obsess over something online or kind of get like overwhelmed by an online presence. So I feel like as like creators, there's more pressure even because so many more people are slowed down and watching. Yeah. Um, that it, yeah, it hits different. It definitely hits different. So mm -hmm. much different. Like I don't think Satoshi Kon realized when he made this movie just how relevant it was going to be, like, 25 years later. Yeah. Like, even yeah. more relevant than it may have been when he first created it. Yeah. Well, even just thinking, like, you know, and we'll we'll give the <laughs> synopsis of what the film is, uh, but there is, like, the fact that she has the computer, it's the old, like, Macintosh, and it's, like, she doesn't know how to use it because this the first time we really have these that are accessible. She's like, what is Mima's room? What are you talking about? What is virtual like person you know and like that was so interesting to see because it was so new to her yeah and she even found it funny at first yeah like oh this is like this is a cool little thing like how oh you like click this i have to learn all these terms like what am i doing and it's funny think, till you see that they saw her groceries and i was like <laughs> why the did whole, they like, know oh, I, I left the train left foot first like <laughs> yeah yes no. and, mm -hmm. oh my gosh Cat, <laughs> will you give us the synopsis of I what will. Perfect Blue is? Perfect Blue, 1997. A pop singer gives her career, gives up her career to become an actress, but she slowly goes insane when she starts being stalked by an obsessed fan and what seems to be the ghost of her past. Mm -hmm. uh, creator, yes, thank you. He just uh, did who it. did uh, Paprika, <laughs> which we covered in our Dreams episode, and we were like, it was such a 
that I feel like that episode was very meta for us because we were both sick. So we were both like on like <laughs> cough syrup. Like, oh, you must have been having the most it. wild Robitussin dreams. <laughs> yeah, we were like, what is happening? It's <laughs> morphing and what what are we? And so that episode, we were just like, I know something was going on. <laughs> like, I know I was feeling what something. What is reality? Yeah. Is the and, real question. Like, w- looking into this, like, that this was his, like, debut film. Because he mm-hmm. had, like, uh, a manga and he had uh, other things that he w- was working on. But this was his first film. And that it was originally designed to be live action. And then because of, well, I think it was an earthquake. Yeah. Um, the budget was cut. And so then they decided to make it. Uh, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I did not know that, actually. Yeah, which is like, yeah. It's like, I'm happy they went like, animated. I'm I'm all for animate, animation over live action. Yeah, and I think like with it, we it, it definitely seems like it inspires a lot of anime that's come after it. Um, and, and also like inspired him to create some really amazing work. And so I, I'm really like happy that that's what happened. And because I think we can really fully get it. And, and that's not to say that live action hasn't tried to replicate this, like just, you know, thinking of Black Swan, which is. Oh, I'm so happy you mentioned that. <laughs> that was something I wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah, well, he um, uh, now I'm totally blanking on the director's name. Darren Aronofsky. Yes, there we go. Uh, does own the rights. uh to it so because he replicated it requiem for a dream yes requiem for the dream so uh when (laughs) when she's uh when mima's in the bathtub and she does the scream it's shot for shot and he Mm -hmm. wanted to replicate that in requiem for a dream but he is adamant that black swan is his own creation (laughs) not made up and that was a lie (laughs) yes absolutely because i mean throughout you can see and even there's like shots that are honestly like it's really hard to argue and how often do we like see american media steal from um, anime anime? all the time (laughs) all the time (laughs) the amount of times american (laughs) films have used that motorcycle shot from akira and just no credit Mm-hmm. A tale as old as time. <laughs> yeah, think about Inception. Think Inception, about Lion King. Yeah. <laughs> think about like what are you doing? Like so often, um, or what was Hunger Games is very clearly inspired by Battle Royale, <laughs> but would not be you know explicitly stated. Uh, so so often that that is. But throughout, I was definitely like, this is Black Black Swan. This is you just put Natalie Portman into the shoes. Yeah. So many of the reflections and all of that, uh, the colors and everything that's super amazing and unique about this. Yeah, and it it just it drives me crazy that like those movies were so critically acclaimed and like well loved by like American audiences, and just none of them know about Perfect Blue. Like mm-hmm. they don't have a clue because I didn't know about Perfect Blue until like a few years after I saw that movie. I learned about it through a YouTube video. Um, by the YouTuber Super Eyepatch Wolf when he he made a, a video mm-hmm. about why Perfect yes. Blue is terrifying. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then, then I watched the movie, and it just it struck even more of a chord with me than any of Aronofsky's movies did. Yeah. <laughs> Not to sound uh, too harsh. No, no. no, no. Feel or, uh, free. We- or pretentious <laughs> film student. <laughs> no, that's what, we love that. <laughs> We're always right in that. Um, yeah, I, I, I saw the same video um, and was very appreciative because I was like, yes, those are all the things that I feel um, about it and watching it. Um, it is uh, based on a, a book called Perfect Blue, Complete Metamorphosis, but totally like is transformed by Satoshi's vision um, into this. It, specifically, 
like how he is portraying the toxicity of idol culture is what really struck me. And I was like, I said to Kat when I was working on the script, I was like, the irony is not lost on me that I am currently listening to like K-pop only <laughs> while I'm like jamming out to like my K-pop idols surrounded by K-pop memorabilia that Kat got me for Christmas. Aww. And I'm like, like, like typing up this like, pop, like idol culture is so toxic and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, and I'm contributing to it. I mean, like, you can have an appreciation for something while still being able to critique it. So, like, I mean, I, I, I love the Beatles, but I can still recognize John Lennon was a really horrible person. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I think there is room for appreciation and critique. So, yes. But, but yeah, the whole critique on idol culture, just, like, how disposable these girls are, how they mm. don't make a lot of money. Because, like, that was something that was very surprising when I first saw the movie was after this opening sequence with Cham, like, right after Mima goes to an apartment that's even tinier than mine. <laughs> like, she just returns home to this mess, and it's it just shows, like, all right, well, these idols, like, they get so much care and attention, but, like no appreciation, I guess, or, or yeah. no compensation for their hard work and sacrifice. Mm. And then when you look at somebody like Mima, you just realize like how disposable all these poor girls are. Yeah. yeah. And how they kind of get like, as you see, like later in the film, like exploited for yeah. like, and just like commodified for their being. I guess. Like they don't really get to be people. They no, have they're to, not like, seen as on. people. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're just seen as these objects, these products, uh, figures that can be sold. Mm -hmm. And they're owned by their fans. I think there's like there's so much that's and specifically, you know, talking about idol culture. But we have that, too, with just thinking about any of our Disney stars who've gone through that transformation from being the Disney idol who's like really young and pure um, and just precious to having to have that like super like sexualized version of Edgy, themselves in yeah. order to break away from it mm -hmm. um just thinking like Christina Aguilera Britney Spears who Miley ended Cyrus, up having yeah. a you know mental breakdown Miley Cyrus like any number of them who started very young and then had to to break away from like because they're adults now or like think about even just Zendaya who's getting so much criticism for Malcolm and Marie because she's 20 something but people still see her as like 14 mm -hmm. and so they're like what's she doing with this grown man and not that's to say their age difference is a bit much but she is an adult and like <laughs> she should be able to to portray herself as an adult she did euphoria it's done she's not in high school yeah <laughs> you know? um but like that that changed but I, I think also what is really terrifying of it is like that they do bring these idols on when they're very young they're in like high school sometimes middle school I think um like uh one of the members of BTS was in high school all throughout most of his career and just like graduated like as one of them and just think about like the youth that he lost out on because he was an idol yeah um, and like all of the pressure that's put on to them like they have to work so hard and there's so many instances of idols like breaking down there's really sad like uh suicides that occur in that culture because of the pressure and the the expectations of people like I ended up on like a fan site at one point and came saw that all the members of Blackpink are under 100 pounds and they're all grown women uh, all under 100 like they're like 99 97 I was like that's 
horrific mm-hmm. <laughs> to think about like and they have to be right like yeah. they have to do that oh and i've seen the, i've the seen videos too. about what their diets are and that they're basically only allowed to eat like apples and sweet potatoes and like that's it like they, they can't have sugar or junk food or or if they they do then they'll have to like just go on a crazy diet for like a month if they have like one potato chip and yeah that's just no way to live yeah. And then what really upsets me the most, sorry, <laughs> what really no, no, upsets me the it. most is like by the time they reach Mima's age, 21, which is still really young, they get treated like they're washed up and old. And it's just so sad to see. And now you can even see that with like, with uh, like, like TikTok and, and YouTube culture is mm-hmm. all these really young influencers. And then once they reach like around the age of like what me and my bot hosts are, they're considered like old people and out of touch (laughs) and it's just it's really unfair and it can make you feel so disillusioned like even I'm always struggling being like am I old now like is my youth fleeting and (laughs) and like and like it's not it's just the I don't know it's it's the industry values like extreme youth yeah Mm mm-hmm well, yeah. I, I think it could translate to the fact that they want people who are easily exploitable and people who are easily manipulated and that vulnerable group, people, yeah, especially, yeah, especially are uh, more likely to fall into that category because either they're not having good representation for themselves, like parents or managers, um, or uh, yeah, they just don't have enough life knowledge to mm-hmm. really have a strong footing in what they feel is right and wrong. I feel like scientifically we don't actually establish like a firm, our brains don't fully mature till like we're 28, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 25, 28. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So like, they're not full, like they don't know and they're being exploited and manipulated and anyone who's older and maybe would ask questions is kind of like pushed out. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Anybody who tries to help them is pushed out of the circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it uh, it's just so cruel. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's like they uh, by taking them at such a young age too. It's like that's when you're kind of dis- discovering yourself and what you could be, like who, what you like, what you don't like, what your style is, and who you are. And they take them then and then morph what they are and, and turn it are. into a brand. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, you're just telling them like, you are this. It's like the Spice Girls movie or Cheetah Girls, <laughs> where they're like, you're this one. I have some ideas. And so does my marketing team. Give a listen. Our research shows your demographic response to the animal theme and your bouncy, up-tempo, pop-urban sensibility. Kids love endangered species. Kids want to party. Kids want a band like Global Get Down. Galleria stays a cheetah now and forever. Dorinda is a sweet panda, a baby seal for Aqua, of course. Chanel is a snow leopard from the frigid north. Our engineering department wants to create whole new identities. You know, um, it's like, I I don't like the color blue. Why do I always have to wear blue? Uh, (laughs) What have you. But it it is like, we're going to make you into what the audience wants because you belong to them. And and so there's like this purity aspect that also comes with the fact that they're so young and the fact they can't date or have any kinds of relationships. And if Mm -hmm. they do, it's it's really traumatic. Yeah, Um, it makes them lose that attainability Mm -hmm. and they have to be like 
like just sweet and nice and like per- like you can't have a bad day and mm-hmm. it makes me think of um I'm so sad that I'm forgetting her name but the one uh girl was on Terrace House um who was oh, a, the yeah. reality show she was like a she was a wrestler I believe and and she had a moment where she was angry because her costume was messed up I believe and she was angry on the show and then she was harassed into the point where she ended up committing suicide because of it like that's how like the audience was like you belong to us you stepped out of line so we're gonna ridicule ridicule you for it it's traumatizing (sighs) well like there's there's this expectation that they aren't they have to be perfect that's i guess like perfect blue kind of Mm -hmm. makes Mm -hmm. sense in that way um but that like they cannot be vulnerable or have very human moments or i guess in like meba's case it's like she cannot uh as she starts to like do more, I guess, like as we said with the Disney culture where you like turn to more sexualized and more like mature media that like she is like her fans are freaking out and basically like you cannot be showing yourself like this. You cannot be like showing yourself as like a sexual being as like an adult. Um, Mm -hmm. But I mean, I feel like she's still very young to be being put in those positions, but I guess like it's very, cringe yeah because she, she, <laughs> she still doesn't have like her own agency because on one end she does have the fans telling her like no you're a pop idol you can't become this risque actress and then the other hand she has her management team her agent and all those people forcing all of this sexual stuff on her and sure mm-hmm. she agrees to it but like she doesn't she knows in her heart that's not what she wants but she just wants to further her career and she thinks well this is what everybody's telling me so this is what i have to do and then that ends up making her lose sight of who she is Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean amongst other traumatic things that happened to her but yeah so it's like your fans and a whole team around you can just make you forget who you are yeah, and it's, it's really scary, the idea of, like, looking in the mirror and not recognizing yourself because, like, you are what you know best in your life. And if you don't know you, then what do you have? Who are yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, the that they are so convinced, like, the people around her are so convinced that they know who she is and have like the audacity to tell her um like just thinking of like the fan um who's just like this isn't you know Mima Mima's the pure k-pop idol or not k-pop j-pop idol uh or like the manager Rumi even who is is very compassionate and caring but also is like no you have to be this idol like you mm-hmm. have to be the singer and it, it was she's uh Mima remarks several times that it's very suffocating and although she went to the you know city to to do this and to pursue her singing career it's like it's too much and she's not getting any money she lives in her little tiny normal person apartment she's just that and she you know her her audience was rather small full of all men also grown men which is like what are what (laughs) people forget that um and like yeah I, I think it's just so like yeah just the audacity to for them to be like no this is who you are and her having to try to figure out, like, is it, like, who? Yeah, and it makes it all the more heartbreaking in those, when you see those beginning scenes of her buying her groceries, doing normal things. Because I remember in that Super Eye Patch Wolf video, one thing, one interesting thing he said was, like, 
this is you learning who Mima is, who she actually is. And and I like seeing those little mundane things like her getting the fancy milk or uh, her being on the train with everybody else because it just, it humanizes her and it, it shows like, I feel like one thing that a lot of male male directors struggle with, especially, is like making their main female character seem more like a person than a concept. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Mima is somebody who actually felt like a person. And then watching her lose that personhood as like the movie goes on is just so tragic and heartbreaking to watch. Yeah, you can definitely really feel uh, sympathy for her in this kind of, even just like, we don't spend a lot of time with her beforehand, but we're immediately like, I get it. I know who she is. She's just a normal girl. Yeah. And there's, what I really, really appreciate about this is a lot of the the imagery and the way that shots are framed. Um, like the one shot where she's on stage and there's like the hands and she's mm-hmm. in he's it. He's holding her like, like she's an anime figure. Yeah. Like oh, she's, he's in it. Um, or just like all of the reflections. Like there's every single way you look, there's a reflection of some kind happening because there is this kind of like, mix of like what is real who are we mm-hmm. how do we pe- perceive ourselves how do other people perceive us there's always like we're always three different people yeah um, i thought that was the most scary thing about the movie was that that whole third act when it just fantasy and reality just blending together and each scene you're just thinking like is this real or is this something she's making up is this a part of double bind what is happening here and like the the movie just my favorite type of horror is just the horror that really messes with your head and mm-hmm. this movie is the definition of messing with your head making you question everything because it, it, it really makes you feel like you are Mima mm-hmm. yeah you're definitely sp- like we were spiraling out <laughs> towards the end just like like you know texting each other like wait what's this it's like wait so it's the film no it's not the film but wait is she did she really murder him is he really dead is she dead what is happening um and just like it, it's not lost that you know the double bind is intentional um and i feel like right out the gate like there was never a time where i felt besides the scenes where she is going like just shopping and kind of doing normal mundane things at first where I wasn't like they didn't have that seamless like transition between like what's happening like on the stage versus what's happening here. And now we're back in the room and then we're on the, this place. And like it's just always moving. And it's almost like a stream of consciousness that was like really fun to follow. And mm-hmm. as it like was picking up and then also like the the fact that her words were the same words as the character and her situation's the same. And then you also have on top of that, like who's really killing people out here. And they're very much clearly, you know, trying to twist Where does you the up. stalker play into all of this? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It was interesting too, the way, uh, I feel like Gabby put this in the notes. I don't remember exactly, but that they were taking their eyes because mm-hmm. everyone's like taking her in with their eyes. Like she's being constantly watched. So the people being murdered are losing their ability to like to see her. always see her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was really interesting and probably like telling to what he was trying to express. Yeah, stabbed him right in the eyes. And with, like, a screwdriver, which is such... Like, that's so hard to do. It's a big You have to have a lot of power. Oh, yeah, the part (laughs) where she breaks the window or she breaks the door glass with the screwdriver, I'm like, 
That must have taken a lot of adrenaline. Yeah, like you have to. I like as that like the scene with the pizza <laughs> um, delivery person for the photographer. Um, like that scene, I was just like, this is really savage. Like the like I I watch a lot of true crime <laughs> and listen to a lot of true crime. So I'm always just like, I know that this that is not a practical weapon. And in order to do that, and with that much like that many times, like there really has to be like an intense hate. Um and very like like it, it seems crime of passion. Yes, exactly. Like it seems like it'd be, you know, random or, or what have you, but se- clearly someone is like caring a lot about what's happening um i would say towards the end while things like are kind of being revealed so i guess we can be like spoiler alert from 1997 spoilers Um, (laughs) if you have not seen this movie click away right now because the ending oh boy (laughs) this is mima's last performance with champ who desired to become an actress i really hope that i can entertain you just the same as an actress but sometimes Aspirations can be deadly. I'm always watching Mima's room. In the world of make-believe. This is when Mima proves herself. The price of fame. Don't worry, Mima, it'll be all right. May not be worth the cost of identity. Where did this come from? How do they know so much? Innocence is lost. Dreams become nightmares. And privacy no longer exists where everything you do can be seen by everyone and those you trust are really those you should fear your life no longer belongs to you excuse me manga entertainment presents satoshi khan's animated psychological thriller so good yeah and it was like i I remember as it was unfolding because i yeah i also love thrillers that make me like I'm like wait, but what about this? And like connecting the dots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when like uh, uh, <laughs> Rumi says, "I'm we're gonna go to Mima's room," and I was just like, "Hold up!" <laughs> I was like, "Hold hmm, up! Why did you say suspicious. that?" <laughs> yeah. Why do you say Mima's room, not her room? What are we doing here? And like things were spiraling out, but I that seeing that relationship of Rumi and Mima made me think of Selena. Kindania, which is what I'm wearing if you're watching our YouTube video. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she was sadly murdered by her fan club manager, Yolanda, when she was, when they, the family accused her of stealing funds. Like they, she embezzled about 30,000 from the membership dues. And like if you're watching like the film, uh, there's now also this show, um, but the, you know, the film uh, with Jennifer Lopez, uh, like Yolanda even kind of looks like Rumi as like a Hispanic version of her. Mm-hmm. And so like I was watching, I was like, this is some Yolanda stuff going on. I was like, I am stressed out. Cause like, it, like when you see the relationship of, of Yolanda and Selena, it was like, you know, compassion and like she cared and they're like mm-hmm. family. And then to think like how obsessed or like connected you can be that you can end up shooting someone like that. And she even like on, in report when they were like, they cornered her she like is crying and says like i sh- killed my best friend and it's like it's not she's not your best friend she was like you're just the fan club manager but that's how like blurred and like confused her reality was mm-hmm. with her relationship with selena who was also very young she's about the same age as uh mima in this when she was murdered and so it's just like what are you doing um or i even mentioned the um 
And I found in an article as well um, on Anime Feminist, there's an article called The Fractured and Famous Celebrity Culture in Control and Perfect Blue by Priya Shridhar. And uh, they mentioned Christine uh, Grimmie. Who oh, was that the, happened recently. Mm-hmm. The, the singer from The Voice who was murdered in 2016 uh, by a fan. And apparently, like, according to this article, it was that he wanted to date her but couldn't accept the reality that chances were low because he didn't know her beyond the singing. Um, and, like, that's so scary to think. Their social relationships are so scary. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, because... I, I think bringing like bot into an example, like we we do love our fans so much, but at the same time, there is a part of me that gets a little scared sometimes if I get like a message because I'm just like, what if I'm not what they expected? What if what if I what if I disappoint them? And I mean, and I don't expect any of our fans to go to any extremes like that. But I mean, I'm just a paranoid person, and I'm and I'm just afraid of opening up to to others, especially like people that I just don't know who only know me through a screen mm-hmm. yeah 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 that's, that's scary like, yeah we found in our when we did our sex workers episode talking about like how there's the like your sex worker persona like if you're like a dom or if you're like you know a cam girl or something like there's even that like to some degree people think because they're seeing these like intimate moments that they know you and then it's yeah. like you wouldn't probably date one of your clients because they don't know who you really are and that maybe you're it's not even your thing. You're doing that for them. This is a job. This is an occupation. And I think in the same thing with this is like my persona is our, you know, my occupation. It's my job. And then I go home and I hug my cat. <laughs> you know, like same I'm here. Just- <laughs> no, it's like because I, I, I'm like known as like, oh, you, uh, the, the scary horror host. And people are like, oh, you kind of scare me sometimes. You're freaky. But I'm really just baby who loves my kitties and and, and drinking coffee and, and, and watching cute anime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's such like a thing with like personas is that people think that they like that it's not like oh, I guess for example like I'm a very introverted person if we didn't do ghouls I would not talk to other humans I would not leave my house oh same just, here I would just be like all right cool like this is the one time where I'm like I'm gonna talk and I'm gonna be hype about stuff you are speaking my language exactly so it's just like but if someone met me in person it's like I'm not gonna say hi to people like even like I'm like we shouldn't get too famous because I <laughs> I don't know what I would do like I feel like I would be a very bad famous person because I'd be like Oh, I'd be a terrible famous person. Please I would not leave my apartment. Keep mm-hmm. six feet from me, pandemic or not. Like, I don't wish to talk to anybody in public. <laughs> so, like, I just feel like there's, like, this idea of, like, the persona that people, like, really feel like they know people. And it's like, no, you don't. Like, that's literally just, like, a thing that we put on to be on the internet. Like, you know, to be a person that I guess more people would be like, all right, cool, we're going to give them money maybe. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) But, like, even without that, it's just, like, there's this idea that people, like, feel they're owed something, I think, Mm -hmm. in, like, this, like, fandom culture where it's, like, you feel like through giving money and watching things, like, you own that identity. And it's, like, very cringe. I feel like it's kind of a product of capitalism, but I don't know for sure. Oh, no, Um, it's definitely... It's it's definitely... Yeah, Where it's like, we should just be able to be, man. Yeah, we should just be able to make what we want and 
not have to worry about like what anybody else thinks. But like, unfortunately, you know, with YouTube, there's there's view counts and you you do have to make money at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to find that compromise between like, well, what's something I like and what's something that I know the audience is going to like? How can I marry these? But sometimes that's hard when you just want to make a video about a niche ass anime that nobody's seen. <laughs> <laughs> like you said, um, like watching it, it felt very, very real. As, you know, like, we're not super famous by any means. Like, we have a few fans. And even still, like, we have, like, some fans who will, like, retweet us, like, every time. Or, like, we'll like it every time. And I'm just like, thank you. But I'm also like, who are you? <laughs> Why do you No, like- it's the same with us, too. Because I, I, I like to say that we kind of have, like, a cult following. And we usually get, um, like, the same, like, five or so people to always retweet us. And it's very flattering, uh, but sometimes I'm like, oh, do, do, do we deserve this? Do I deserve this? <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Who are you to like have so much interest in what we do and <laughs> <in> what I do? <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, it, it was it, the thrilling aspect of it really felt like too real, um, being that it's so relevant right now. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, it's such a trip. It was such a trip the whole time. I really enjoyed, and it was something I wanted to to watch for a long time, and has always been on my list. So whenever I get an opportunity, I'm like, yes, write it in there. Um, I probably should have warned you guys that there were a few triggering scenes in there. So for that, I apologize. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if if we wanted to talk about those as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely think we should. Um, yeah, I, I knew there was just from, like, kind of poking around, um, but it's still, like, even with, like, warnings, like, having content warnings, like, you still aren't always fully prepared for seeing yeah. things like that. Oh, yeah. And we, I mean, like, I've written an article about how, like, rape revenge films are tired in horror. Like, we Not it. are often just, like, it's there's more to women than just being the product of something so disgusting. Like we can have other motivations for things like we can can murder without that happening. Yeah. Yeah. We we can, we can have other reasons to want revenge. Yeah. Or other reasons to just like lose our like minds. Like, can't we just have something where it's like, Oh, my cat got stolen revenge time rather than I would so (laughs) murder. My body's been violated. Yeah, yeah, right? Like, why can Keanu Reeves, you know, shoot people because of his dog, but we can't? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly! Because then we'll just be seen as irrational and over-emotional. Mm-hmm. I, it was a lot, I will say, that that scene definitely is is very jarring. Yeah, um, this was the first time I I cried watching that scene. Yeah. yeah. It's su- I, I think what's really interesting about it and the reason why I wasn't, like, it was definitely upsetting and... I feel like there really is no reason <laughs> to have scenes like that in film ever. Um, but with this, it was so intentional that it was being, you know, remarked upon. Like it was like, we are criticizing this specifically. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still like, there's that line of like, between criticism and just further contributing to the issue. And I feel like it didn't bleed into that so much because I, I never felt like it was gratuitous. It didn't feel un- voyeuristic. Mm-hmm. Like you, f- the thing you, you feel her pain in every single one of these scenes. You feel like you are in her place rather than somebody watching. Mm-hmm. If yeah. that makes any, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. I appreciated the wit cutting the action like to remind us that we're on the 
in the film and like yeah. having her that having that dialogue with the actor who's yeah. doing that to her and how she, he's like I'm sorry and she's like no it's fine and like and then immediately having to go back into that like it was like this is fiction like that's what we're trying to tell you but still knowing like still emphasizing that it's fiction still look how traumatizing it is to her and to the people who like are so invested in who they imagine she is like how it's you know really triggering for them and triggering for her even though she's like being a professional and feels like she has to do it it's like it was i really appreciated that stop in the in the motion yeah and then also the fact that like even afterwards when she was in the car with her with her manager uh she's just like oh lucky me i get to eat ramen now and then when it's not until she gets home and looks at her dead fish that she realizes like oh my god what the what did these people just do to me Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah And I mean, if you think of the fact that there's so many films that just because a lot of the industry is run by men that do feature rape scenes and aren't animated um, Mm -hmm. and are actively like that, even just like acting it out is a traumatizing experience. And that like there are so many films that have these scenes that don't need to have these scenes. Um, I think it's like it was it seemed like it was calling that out. Mm-hmm. and early even like it still happens today like in hollywood and other places that like that's just something that happens all the time there's a rape scene in so many films that doesn't need to have one or like shows too much of it and mm-hmm. i think there's like not a lot of attention maybe given to the fact that just acting in those roles is a really traumatizing experience oh yeah uh, for sure yeah but i think it was like definitely calling it out which was cool yeah, I think now, um, like when you when you can, if you're a new actor and you can fill out forms, they'll be like, "All right, are you willing to like do nudity? Are you willing to do scenes like these?" So I'm happy that now there's more of like an option. But at the same time, it's kind of like, well, you want to be able to say yes to as many things as possible so you can further your career. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of the time, especially if you're on a lot of these procedural shows like Criminal Minds, like you're most likely going to have to be in a scene like that. And it's just, it's unfair. And you don't, you don't see the same thing for men. Not that you want the same thing to happen to men. Cause like, yeah. I wouldn't really wish that upon anybody. Yeah. No, no matter what your gender is, like you don't want to, you don't want to see that happen to someone. Yeah. I think it's also interesting to have it, uh, have her continually try to justify that it was her decision mm-hmm. with, and, and backing that up with the very blatant, like understanding that it wasn't her decision like she is definitely being you know pushed like she doesn't really she has the illusion of choice right it's just like rock and a hard place it's like you do this or you're screwed right like yeah either do this or you're done you don't have to but just know like (laughs) but you do have but you kind of do yeah and and it's just like i mean you know thinking even about just now with how like harvey weinstein is being you know shown to his true colors like the entire his entire career how he's altered the the careers of women because of how disgusting he is and that it didn't it took all this time for it to come out um and the fact that everybody knew too yeah like this was not a secret yeah and then, and just nobody says anything about it until now. People are finally standing up and being like, this is not okay. And if you know something, you should say something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it's it's really sad that it took this time. And to have something like Perfect Blue exist in 1997, being like, I am calling out the issues of this 
like this culture, idol culture, when it was like very heavy, like that was a culture that was blossoming and, and robust at the time for him to just be like, it's messed up and like no, nothing to come from it. Cause we're still in that, like they're still being underpaid. They're still being used. They're still dying honestly because of what's happening or they're being pursued by stalkers. Mm-hmm. Um, like even like our American actors and, and artists, like again, and social media influencers too. Social media, Yes. People just think they have a right to you because they see you on the internet. Mm hmm. Or TV. And they fall in love with this idea of you rather than the actual you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, like, how invasive internet is now. Like, it's everything. Like, we have it on our phones. We have TikTok. We have Instagram. Like, it's just so ingrained Mm -hmm. into our culture that people are always on it. Yeah. But it just kind of... Oh, Charlie. uh, (laughs) It's just, like, I've got mine sleeping back here, too. (laughs) But yeah, it's intense. It's it's kind of like in everything, which is, I guess, like different even than it was back then, where it's it's kind of even more pervasive and like in our face. Mm-hmm. Well, think how easy it is to for doxing to happen, and how like minimal the thing has to be for someone to warrant doxing you. Like, yeah, how often? Like, remember GamerGate? Like traumatizing i was just like how does that even happen like that we're just like we don't like what this woman had to say about video games so we're releasing all of her personal information so that we can harass her like that was horrific and that was when i was like just starting out to like you know be you know any type of creative person on the internet and it's always like i have been adamant even about like not talking about video games because i'm more of a casual fan whereas like i don't that's danger. That's scary. Like as a woman, yeah. I can't yeah. go I, unless I am like, like an adamant, like just like genius, like expert at this thing. I can't go out there because that's scary. Like no, I totally get what you mean. When um I, when we were on getting the robot and I wrote a piece about uh, queer representation in magical girl anime. The whole time I was writing that script, I was terrified because I know what a lot of anime fans are like, and if they see an opinion like you know, then there was some pretty weird stuff back in old anime dubs. Like they're gonna they're gonna be like, oh, you SJWs, you're ruining anime, and I'm gonna dox you and make sure everybody harasses you. Like I was so scared, and thankfully that didn't happen. In fact, I got a yeah. lot of support. But it's like there's always that possibility, and it's like I'm just I'm just a person. Like I'm not trying to take anything away from you. I'm just pointing out something that happened, and like now. We we just we can't express these things anymore without worrying about people breaking into our homes mm-hmm. or using the internet. In some way yeah, and yet they call us turn. the sensitive ones. <laughs> yes, yeah, we're the snowflakes, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I there there are definitely times where I mean we've even said it like on our show when we cover certain topics or when people like ask us to come. We're like, you need to do some research on us because we are I mean kind of proud SJWs and we're not going to say the things that you want us to say we're going to be honest we're going to be real and and yeah and sometimes it's scary we're like we want you to make sure that you know that because there are even times in just the horror community that we don't feel comfortable or safe because it can be really toxic there and people expect us to be a very specific way because women in horror are portrayed a very specific way yeah yeah and but people don't realize like 
like like I, I I call like horror like a women's genre just because it it treats and portrays women just so much differently than really any other genre does, and I think that's another thing that draws me to it. I mean, it doesn't always do it well, but yeah. like <laughs> yeah, but like but it is different at least. Yeah, it definitely has more women in like lead roles than in mm-hmm. most genres, um, unless it's like romantic comedy, <laughs> like and and with power melodrama. Like, yeah, <laughs> and because even with romantic comedies, they don't really have power. They're usually just kind of like I'm quirky and I fall over until this man saves me. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah, horror, it's a like, manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> like I'm murdering back. Oh, the amount surviving. of times I've been at college parties and been called Ramona Flowers, I would I would have an uh, apartment much bigger than this one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always just like, do you understand the irony of you calling me that? Yeah, I'm like, like my, my, my name's is the worst. Yeah. Like the yeah. guy in the movie is the worst. <laughs> also, my name's Dory. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, we are not the magical pixie dream girls that you want. Yeah, <laughs> um, we're <yeah>. nightmare girls. <laughs> yes, <laughs> nightmare goblins, <laughs> goblins and ghouls. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, I I really love. Um, this film for so many so many reasons, and I, I there's not a single thing that I felt like was out of place. Uh, like the shots and the imagery were so beautiful. There, I found like this one um, uh, channel anime every day that did a whole thing about the use of red in perfect blue mm. where I was like I didn't even think about it and then he's like pointing out all the things and I was just like ah oh, that's so true like, all the reds are so saturated and bright and like in that scene with the pizza band I remember um one thing that I I found really striking was while she was stabbing him in the eye in the background there's that image of Mima the pop idol being covered in blood mm-hmm. that was yeah. just so so symbolic yeah there's all those little things that like you, like you kind of catch and you're not quite sure why like especially like the like like the comment of Mima's room or when she's in the room and the fish were alive I was like hold up <laughs> like what are we doing here um or were just the like, fish ever dead or were they God. ever alive Schrodinger's fish <laughs> yep. Schrodinger, yeah, not looking. um yeah like every like everything kind of blew me away and I was very appreciative of all the intentionality of it. Um, and like the the running scene, like when she's finally like pursuing her. Anytime we see like the Mima idol and she's just like dancing, like it's like how horrific has like frolicking, <laughs> just skipping through halls ever been in my life. Like I've never yeah. been afraid of like, <gasps> like I was like, that one oh scene at the end where Rumi is chasing her and then you see the the fake Mima is like bouncing along whimsically, but then you see in the reflection, Rumi is running and she looks like feral. Deranged, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because like the whole time that's like when she's like going out the window, like I said to Kat, I was like, I wonder what this looks like in real life because yeah. clearly like she's not you know? like, just when, like floating upwards and then it was at that part that I realized that one scene where the two other girls and Chom are having their concert just the two of them and then they get confused by the Mima I'm I'm like was that was that Rumi yeah, breaking Rumi on stage yeah. yeah was that yeah. supposed to be her or yeah, was they are yeah. confused yeah yeah was it that or was it just supposed to be like a delusion yeah, or even like a hologram, like they're actual idols that are like holograms like or animated. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah oh, Miku, yeah. Uh, gorillas, or, or even VTubers now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, VTubers. Yeah. that And that's like, I saw that too in like the toxic idol cultures. Like how like it's transitioned even to like people selling out to look at holograms. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I've recently gotten a little bit of an unhealthy obsession with anime figures. <laughs> um, I want I've become a little bit of a collector, but like it blows my mind just the sheer amount of figures for the Vocaloid Miku. There's hundreds and hundreds. And I think, like, imagine if she was a real person or somebody like Mima. Like, how much this life would affect her. Like, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm so happy that she's just virtual. So yeah. her brain doesn't have to go through that same trauma that all these real-life flesh-and-blood idols have to go through. Mm-hmm. Makes me think of Carol and Tuesday. Oh, and I loved they, Carol like, and the, Tuesday. You know, the tri- the the... Because it's all the music is like, you know, manipulated and technical. And then Carol and Tuesday are like, it's me, Taylor Swift. <laughs> like, they're doing my good, like, in the middle of this, like, electronic concert. They're just like, dee, dee, dee. like who, who made this Coachella lineup? It doesn't make sense. Uh, but I appreciate, you know, this little. <laughs> like, and it was the opposite with Coachella, with Miku being in Coachella with all these other live action people and everybody being like, who is this? Yeah, why is this person not real? <laughs> who is this mysterious blue haired girl? Yeah. We're like, I saw like posts because you know Daft Punk has retired. I mean, like, why don't they just give the you know head the the mask to someone? That's to exactly else? what I was thinking. I'm like, why don't they just take two other random white dudes and put the helmets on them? Yeah. And then Daft no Punk doesn't know. have to die. Nobody Who's knows. Gonna know? Yeah, you know, like the marshmallow dudes. Like what's his name? Like yeah, just you now have the <laughs> you take on the the Daft Punk lineage and you fight back and whatever. Uh, <laughs> but they retired it, I guess. That's cool. Um, <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, that's pretty much our show. <laughs> it was so exciting because there's so much to talk about and unpack and, and it, it is so yeah. real. Like you're saying, Kat, the fact that we're all trapped inside and just like, this is our reality. This is what we're reduced to. So it kind of hits a little too close to home at times where you're just like, Oh, this is, <laughs> this is my only interaction with people is virtual. So, uh, Oh no. Yeah. Um, I'll like be talking to my cat at night being like, am I real? Are you real, Pepper? <laughs> yeah, like, is this food I'm giving you right now real? Can you tell Are me we all what my the favorite matrix. color is? <laughs> like, I don't know. And then Pepper looks at me and he goes, no. That's horror. That's horror for sure. <laughs> That would be a <laughs> movie in and of itself. We should do a short film that's that. That's good. That's good. The Next week you are talking fun. a talking cat. <laughs> yes. I mean, we could do it for sure. Um, Dory, where can people find you if they want to listen and watch and connect? Not, but in a total cool way, no stalking. Yes. <laughs> in a totally six feet, uh, respectful distance way. Yes. <laughs> um, you can find my personal stuff. Uh, my Instagram and Twitter is Lovely Dory. That is L-O-V-E-L-Y-D-O-R-R-I-E. You can find me on Beyond the Bot. We are on YouTube. We also have a podcast on Spotify called Beyond the Botcast. And uh, we're making some cool Instagram content as well. So, yeah, you can find us at uh, all those places. Nice. And do definitely check out Beyond the Bot, especially if you um, are enjoying our series of, you know, anime and horror and 
arguably anime that isn't horror like Dragon Ball, but we're still ruining it for you. <laughs> oh, um, if you guys want to talk Dragon Ball, you have to get my co-host Yadoye on there. Yes. Yeah. We, oh, man. <laughs> have to bring it back. Um, yeah. So definitely check that out. We'll, you know, have the links and everything in our show notes as well so that you can support um, in the ways that are super helpful so you can cr- continue to create that awesome oh yes we have a patreon as well (laughs) yes and probably important to mention that (laughs) yeah uh yeah because we you know we love your content we definitely want people to be able to support you and keep that going thank Um, you so much fans we love to be seen and heard and you're doing it well thank you i really appreciate that and thank you so much for having me on it was so much fun being a ghoul today and just getting to geek out over some horror yeah, because that is what I do on a daily basis. So when I got the email asking to be on, I was just like, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, anytime you want to geek out about horror, you let us know um, and we'll definitely be in touch, you know, for future things. I'm sure we'll have other reasons to collab. Like I said, you're on the list regardless. Thank you. <laughs> like, also, do it. if you guys like Satoshi Kone, I highly recommend you watch his series Paranoia Agent because that okay. is another one that will really get in your head and it's not quite as like outwardly like scary but there are scenes that will unsettle you for sure but it's excellent yeah so paranoia agent is a must watch that sounds cool (laughs) going on there after i do my my you know recuperating anime which is a haiku right now because we've been doing so much you know i'd say watch something lighthearted and fun first to just as a nice little mind palette cleanser it's so much more than sports yeah Yeah, like boys connecting it's the camaraderie (laughs) yeah it's like i don't like sports but i like this <laughs> gonna figure it out. A break after Evangelion. All <laughs> like, uh, oh like, my god! Young young boys being friends. That's what I need. <laughs> Not mm-hmm. being traumatized by their parents. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, people, if you're listening and watching, make sure you like and subscribe for us and Beyond the Bot. And uh, don't get married. They'll eat your kids. Yeah, or they'll become a pop star, and then you know, chaos so. ensues. Don't eat your baby. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) Awesome. Bye. Bye. Bye.